There we go. We're back for another episode of Friday Night Counter Attack. And again, like the last couple of weeks, we're just uploading them as and when we're recording them, really. And personally, I found that it's quite great because as I was just discussing with Salim, who's on the podcast today, it's just we're doing everything as soon as possible. We're not waiting until the week's over and everything just comes out and it's late news and everything like that. So um, we're here on a Wednesday evening talking about the round of 16 and the quarterfinals of Euro 2020. So I hope everyone's enjoyed it. I've definitely enjoyed it. Salim, how have you been and have you enjoyed um, the European Championship so far, especially um, England against Germany? Yeah, I've enjoyed every game. I've watched every game as well. It's, you know, when it comes to football, you know, like I'd, I'd watch anything that's on anyway. But yeah, it's been it's been quite good fun. I've watched it with a few sort of different people as well. So I've had a bit of variety. Like I watched a few games with my mum and a few games with my mates. So mm. it's been quite different. You? Yeah, it's been good. Like I've invited my parents around to my flat on Saturday night for England versus Ukraine, which we'll get to in a moment. I was like, you know what? Uh, I love doing the watch-alongs. I love watching it with my wife or I love watching it with my cousins or my brother. Uh, it's just great. But I'm like, my parents have really enjoyed the European Championships because um, like, I don't live there anymore. My brother doesn't live there anymore. My sister's away um, for the year as well. So it's just the fact that um, it's just mum and dad in the house. So they've really enjoyed watching the European Championships. And it reminds them of having their three kids in the house who are football crazy and then being dr driven crazy by their three kids shouting and screaming at the television. So it's been quite fun. And I thought um, it'd be nice to kind of reminisce about that in a way on Saturday night if they were free to come and watch England versus Ukraine at, at my flat, which would be quite great to go on to. Um, but no, it's been fun. I've enjoyed the conversations we've been having on our, our Friday Night Football group. It's been fun talking about it every other day. And literally it's exceeded most expectations because of the whole COVID situation, the year delay. Um, like we've discussed previously, the whole, um, if, if it wasn't delayed a year, would some of these players even have made the squad or the extra three men in the squad that were the five substitutes, all of these different changes. The VAR rules with this are so much more clearer than um, we've seen in the Premier League. The refereeing is, is up to standard and above standard that we used to in the Premier League as well. So kudos to all of these little things that have made it great. Um, but Salim, let's get straight into... Uh, the round of 16 review before we go on to the quarterfinals preview. So from the round of 16, we have to start with the upsets, the ups and downs, but mostly the upsets of, let's start with France versus Switzerland. For me, game of the tournament, the fact that uh, Pogba scored one of the most amazing goals in this tournament, the fact that Mbappe still didn't turn up in that game for um, France. He missed that really good chance as well. He just hit it wide as well. He tried to like swaz it into the corner, but Benzema scored a really good goal when he like touched it down. Really surprised to see Griezmann getting subbed off as well, but full credit to Switzerland. They never gave up. They turned up. There's that meme of that fan that was just celebrating in the crowd in the 90th minute. Um, but full credit to Switzerland and great play until the penalty shoots out and um, Kylian Mbappe was the one that ended up missing it. But that's been my biggest upset of the tournament so far from the round of 16. How did you find that France versus Switzerland game? Um... I thought it was I thought it was quite a good game because I watched that. I think the Spain was it the Spain game that was on the same day, yeah. And yeah. they both went three all and then um obviously went on. But it just shows like you can like football's never over at three one, you know, mm. everyone would have probably thought game over. Like I know obviously uh, Spain won their game when obviously went three one up against Croatia, but it just shows that it's been quite a tournament where, you know, anyone can beat anyone for starters. And, you know, it's just a lesson to everyone that in football, like even when you think it's over, it's it's never over, basically, and you know, right to the final whistle. But yeah, great enjoyment, good, like great football, and shows some sort of bad defending as well. But no, 
thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it was interesting to see Benzema back and, you know, how much he enjoyed being back as well. Like you could see in his celebrations how much it meant to him playing for France, something that he never thought would ever happen again, you know, at one point. But no, I've been quite excited. I think that we're quite lucky that we've got, well, just the way that it's worked out, he said, with players that probably wouldn't have got called up, like for us, Grealish wouldn't have been in the team, for example. But coming on from that... Bellingham would have been in the team for me from last year as well. Yeah, it's just like that. And um, obviously, next thing is the World Cup, which is coming soon. But we can obviously talk about that when the time comes. But yeah, really enjoyed all all the games, you know, every game, pretty much. you know, good, good fun. No, it's definitely been good fun. It's, it's like you just said that anyone can be anyone on their day. And it's just like you said, there have been so many upsets that we've seen, so many disappointments from big teams and big players. Uh, Delit, obviously, the red card for uh, Delit in the Netherlands game against the Czech Republic, where Donja Marlon ended up missing that one-on-one chance by just running into the keeper. 60 seconds later or so, Delit gets red carded. The game is just flipped on its head. And you've ended up just seeing the Czech Republic score and they got through to the quarterfinals against yeah. um, um, they're calling up against um, Denmark, which is in the quarterfinals as well, which is brilliant. And Denmark as well. Denmark was one of the first um, round of 16 games against Wales and I thoroughly enjoyed that game. Denmark are a joy to watch and you can see they're playing with their, their heart on their sleeve. The likes of uh, Marla, the likes of... Um, You've got Damsgaard, who's a new young player coming through as well. But um, has there been a surprise team for you that you've seen in that round of 16 you thought, you know what, they've done very well. They've exceeded my expectations and they're actually quite fun to watch. For me, um, I'd say Denmark have come back quite well, considering the position they were in. Like they were sort of, everyone thought they were probably going to go out of the tournament, but they, you know, won on the last day, mm-hmm. scored a couple of goals and they got through. So I'd probably say they'd be one that I'd say have done quite well. And the other one I'd probably say was, I mean, you could always say Switzerland, you know, because they won, but I'm trying to think. Probably, you know, Italy hasn't been mentioned, like we've been mentioning them on the podcast, but you know, the, the way that they've sort of come through the challenges and now, you know, they're in a good position. They're, they're on, like, the other side to us on the draw. And, yeah, but for me, probably Denmark, considering the situation and the position they were in at the start of the tournament where they sort of lost the first game. And I think that they lost the second game too, did they? Or did they draw? Yeah, they, they, they lost to Belgium in the second game as well. That was it. But then they came back really strongly in that third game, which, you know, put them through. And now they're, you know, quarter-finalists at least at minimum. Yeah, definitely. And obviously the whole Christian Eriksen situation, which was just awful to start their tournament off. And they they bounced back. They've changed their system as well. They're a very exciting team to watch against Wales and against uh, Russia as well. So Denmark, obviously, they're my sweepstakes team in our Friday Night Football group as well. So I'm actively cheering them on when England aren't playing. So if we get England versus Denmark in the semi-finals, I will definitely not support Denmark in that game. But um, we might get, might get a free Friday night football. It's only £3.50, so it's nothing major uh, in that way as well. Um, but no, it's been good to see Denmark play. It's been good to see Italy play. And uh, I think I'm going to throw down a little marker here. I think this is Italy's tournament to lose. From everyone mm. in the in the UK that's going on about England and is coming home, when you look at Italy versus Belgium, and if you look at how Italy have to play Belgium, and then they potentially have to face Spain, in the semi-final they're going to be facing two great teams obviously switzerland could win and it could be switzerland as well but two historic teams belgium and spain uh, against italy and then potentially england or denmark in the final or whoever gets to the final they've got the harder draw but they're going to be mentally challenged in all of those games and tested differently as well so like you said that the fact that 
before this tournament, Italy didn't really get the mentions or the credit from our side, from watching them and from having that conversation with Marco uh, a week or two ago as well. We just learned a lot more about how Italy plays, how Mancini's played, and you notice little things that you didn't notice before. And even for me, I can't wait to see how Italy face against Belgium. I think they will beat Belgium in the quarterfinals. Um, I think we'll just skip the whole round of 16 review because we've, we've, we've seen it, we've done that. Let's just go straight to the quarterfinals. Belgium versus Italy, Salim. Tell me what you think of that game. I think it's going to be really tight. Um, it's going to be quite tactical. I think I think both teams are going to be, I wouldn't say nervous. I'm going to say more, uh, what's the word, like reluctant to go forward. They're going to, they're going to try and um, they're both going to sort of like, like, they're just going to be reluctant to attack. So it's going to be more like, you know, playing it around the defence kind of thing. And um, they're going to, they're both not going to want to like sort of draw each other out kind of thing, but they're going to try and draw each other out is what they're probably going to do. Yeah. But I think it'll be tight and I think it'll probably be Italy 1-0. Yeah, I see in Italy 1-0. I, th- I think Lukaku versus Bonucci is that key battle for me and there's been talks of De Bruyne and Hazard not being in this team. I'm, I've seen this a couple of times out there. There may be a return for De Bruyne, but I don't think it's going to be true for him to be match fit in this game. Um but it'll be like Carrasco and Mertens behind Lukaku, kind of like in the first game against uh, Russia in, in, the, in the first game in the group stages. But if it happens, it happens. But it's just about if Romelu Lukaku can literally inspire this Belgian team further than they've ever gone before in the European Championships in our lifetime as well, if, if I was happy to say that. Because they got to the uh, quarterfinals last time, but they lost to Wales. And then Wales got to the semi-final against Portugal as well. So um, that's how I see it with Belgium. With Italy... I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing, man. I mean, if when you look at them playing, they're a joy to watch. They're fun on the attack. They have really good transition midfielders in Jorginho and Verratti. And like Marco said the last time, they've got strength and depth. So we don't know if it's going to be Chiesa starting, Bernadeschi starting, or Berardi starting on that right-hand side. We know Immobile is going to start. We know uh, Verratti is going to start. And Insigne is going to start. But they've still got strength and depth around the pitch as well. So I think it's Italy's tournament to lose. I think Italy are going to win this game as well. Um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory for Italy, and I think they're going to get through to the semi-final. And that's where they face rather Spain, who are in today, or Switzerland. So let's say your thoughts on Spain versus Switzerland, because I'm looking forward to that one, five o'clock on Friday night as well. So how do you see Spain versus Switzerland go? Uh, well, Spain's my sweepstake team in um, in the FN, in the MNF group. Not mm. MNF, MNF. Thinking. It used to be called MNF or, M- or FNF before, mm. that's why. Uh, yeah, probably them. I think Spain will probably win. They've um, they've acc- accumulated, they've made a lot of chances actually from all the games they've played in. Um, yeah, I think definitely. XG of anyone in the tournament. I, I was waiting for just... you to mention that. I was waiting for you to mention that. That's so funny. Um, because like Roberto Sanchez is the goalkeeper and it's like Roberto Sanchez had brought the XG from Brighton to Spain as well. And it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. I think I think um, you saw that they were getting into their stride against uh, Croatia, but then they showed that sort of weakness in mentality when mm-hmm. they got pegged back again. Because that three-one, like they were really clever to get that goal with quick thinking and stuff. But then they sort of lost their head slightly. I think maybe they're sort of missing that natural leader that you know that they've had. But you know, hopefully Busquets can you know probably will step up and get get them through it but for me yeah Spain they've got too much quality for Switzerland uh, in my opinion not no disrespect but I think Spain will take that yeah if if Switzerland spoils Spain's party 
I'll be living it up as well because Switzerland versus Italy will be a hilarious game in the semi-final with the way that those two teams play. But I think Switzerland's time will be up in this tournament against Spain. I think Spain have hit their form. They've scored, what, five goals in their last two games or five goals in each of their last two games, I should say. They're getting their goals, but they are missing that Sergio Ramos, that PK uh, type of midfielder, that Javi Martinez type of um, defensive midfielder as well because Busquets is kind of doing it alone with his whole new generation of players besides Jordi Alba. And Jordi Alba, as we've seen before, is not a leader. He shouldn't be wearing the armband just because he's got the most caps. And David De Gea is left on the bench and Thiago is left on the bench. So you don't really see many uh, other experienced players in that in that team for Spain. But Switzerland, you never know what's going to happen with them. I, I know I just said that I don't think they're going to spoil the party, but Shakiri just brings the life out of him um, when he plays in the Switzerland shirt. It's a different animal. Granit Xhaka had one of the best games I've ever seen Granit Xhaka play ever. Um or against France as well, just dominating that midfield or just won so many battles in there as well. So he's going to be key against the likes of Busquets, Koke. Um, I don't know how they're going to start as well. I don't think they'll play... I think they'll play Pedri again. He's been a joy to watch. I discussed that previously um, with another podcast, two Maggie's up stuff about how he's been a good player, but he's just remembered for that own goal. You know, the own goal where he just went under the keeper's legs as well, which is going to be crazy. But no, I think Spain are going to win that game and I reckon it's going to be in the end of Switzerland's journey, but hopefully I'm wrong because like, you always like to see an underdog story. Speaking, yeah. of under, speaking of underdog stories, Czech Republic versus Denmark, let's get into it. You were just, saying, you were just saying how... Literally, they got through on the final day. They got the goal difference to get higher and become one of the better placed teams in the tournament. And they were right on form against Wales. I mean, the, the Wales fans were crying for that foul on um, Bale or Moore, I think it was, Kiefer Moore. And they ended up scoring down the other side as well. But they ended up getting the red card against them. And um, Wales just imploded in front of Denmark's eyes. And Copenhagen lit up that day. No, not Copenhagen, Amsterdam lit up that day because they're playing in Amsterdam, I think. But... How do you see this game going? Because I think it's going to be a convincing Denmark win. But Czech Republic, again, they're no one's fools. They turned up in a couple of good games as well. How do you see that going? Yeah, I think that, like, Schick, for example, nobody even knew who he was before the tournament. And now he's, you know, sort of, like, in everyone's fantasy team. Um, he's just, he just, like, a football manager guy back in, like, 2018-19. That is, like, one of those wonder kids, like Dolberg. And yeah. you just never see him again in real life. And we've seen him in real life, which is great. And Dolberg as well, both in the same game. Dol but yeah, for me, it was that there's a kid for Czech Republic. His name is Adam Halozak. Mm. If you've heard of him, um, he's he's one of my football manager signings at Unearth, like I think last season or the season before. Yeah, for me, I think it's um, I think it'll be Denmark to go through after. You know, I think the spirit in the team and the whole country themselves, like you know, at the end of the day, they're missing their best player, the world class player they have, their captain. Yeah, Ericsson, You know, there's there's no doubt on that and. You know, he's he's like their Modric. He's you know he's their best player basically, and without him, they're not the same team. But they've proven that they can play without him, and you can see that they're you know playing for him if anything. Yeah, exactly, and they're kind of playing with their hearts on their sleeves as well. You can see it with the passion of uh, Simon Kier. You can see Vestergaard coming into the team really well. Christensen, who's done very well at dropping into that centre defensive midfield role when they don't need a back three all the time when they're in possession. So it's been good to see how. Denmark played against the likes of Wales and Russia as well. But I think they've got the strong team against um, the Czech Republic. And I reckon the Czech Republic will take them to penalties. But I reckon it will be a Kasper Schmeichel masterclass if it goes to penalties. But if it goes to extra time, I think Denmark will still win. I'm still going for Denmark because I reckon um, 
Paulson, I think Paulson will be back. Brathwaite has been decent this tournament, despite all the memes of him being at Barcelona. We all know he's out of his, out of his depth at Barcelona, but he's still a decent striker. He's done very good for Denmark this season in the Euros. And obviously, Kasper Dolberg, our FIFA 17, Football Manager 17, uh, Karimo Prospect has scored a goal or two, um, which is good to see as well. But out of those two teams, Salim, if England do get through, who would you like to face the least, Denmark or Czech Republic? Uh, to be honest, either either I'm not I'm not too fussed because the thing mm. is you can't really pick and choose in tournaments and um, it's it's whoever we get. I mean I I don't know I'm not I'm not one to say. <laughs> to be honest, they both be tricky opposition. Mm. For the thing is in a tournament a one-off game you know you could play like anyone and you could lose. You know we've seen it from this tournament itself. You know with yeah. France and Switzerland, but. For me, I mean, obviously Denmark are missing Ericsson, so I probably would sway towards the Czech because we've beat them, you know, once already. At Wembley as well. So I At think Wembley, yeah. they give you that peace of mind, that assurance that you've seen them in this tournament and we beat them in this tournament as well. So it's just about how we set up against them as well. But not getting ahead of ourselves, England versus Ukraine is that final um, Saturday night, quarter final, 8pm. Where are you going to watch the game can I come? And how do you see this game going for England? Um, I think I think I'm going out for that game. Actually, um, I think it's my mum. We're doing like my mum's birthday, do so I'm gonna have to watch it on my phone. Oh no! Week. No, that's gonna be crazy. Does the restaurant that you're going to have a TV at least? I don't know, but I might bring mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be mental when you go out as well. Um, watching the game on your phone or just catching up on whatsapp and however it goes watch our watch along if i'm doing a watch along just you can watch me react to it where i got a bit too happy uh the other day against germany but yeah yeah i saw that clip <laughs> just a few of me getting go going into my uh my, my high notes i never knew i could get in, that high in other news actually if we do go to the semis i am i am in london that mm. that, that day that the semis are to be played i'm going with a few mates so if we do go through, the plan is to sort of probably go down to Wembley or somewhere else and just take in the vibes, if you know what I mean. Fox Park <laughs> Croydon, you can be with Stormzy celebrating with, with like, yeah, like that. the flares and everything. That'd be crazy to go to. No, that would be good. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun game, the quarterfinals against Ukraine. The Ukraine on paper, I've said previously that they're probably the easiest team you can face on paper. But like you said, there's no easy game in this tournament. Uh, it's not plain sailing for anyone in this tournament besides Italy, I would say. Uh, England, we haven't conceded the goal, but the likes of Malinovsky has been doing really well. Yarmolenko's done very well. Zinchenko's been brilliant as well. So a lot of these names that people don't really associate with attacking flair and uh, this Andrei Shevchenko Ukraine side, I think yeah. they're going to give a great test to us. I think it's going to be in Rome. It's going to be the first and only game away from um Wembley that we've had and it's been very cushy for us as well to have all of our games at Wembley so far as well so how do you see England versus Ukraine going do you see it going positively for England and how do you think we can kind of um get forward in this tournament if we can against this Ukraine side I'd say first thing is uh, you mentioned about obviously on paper I mean it's quite important that you say that because I think another problem that we've had sort of as a country collectively is like an arrogance and a complacency saying that oh you know on paper we should be you know iceland for example you know we all know what happened there yeah. you know the last like pr pretty much every tournament you know except for i mean we should have beat croatia but pretty much every single tournament i've ever seen 
since I, I was born, you know, and, you know, watch Support England, I, I feel like we've always had this sort of complacency and um, this ego and arrogance that, you know, we've, we've got the Premier League, best league in the world. We've got, you know, some of the best players in the world. But I think with the media hype, we just think, oh, yeah, we should beat these or we should beat these lot. But I think that's sort of changed since Southgate has come in. And that's something that I do sort of respect him for, in a sense that we are doing like thorough research on opposition and we're not sort of just putting 11 players on the pitch and saying, oh, yeah, we should just win, like, you know, playing, you know, like Gerard and Lampard together, you know, like, mm. like something like that that didn't work. Like, tactically, we've been more spot on. And I think we're, we're giving respect to opposition nations, which they deserve as well, which is something we've never done because we'd win every game in qualifiers. We'd beat San Marino 10-0 and then, you know, beat Gibraltar like 8-0 or something. And then we'd come to even like a semi, like Iceland and we'd just lose. Like, yes, just simple as that. And it's been it's been nice to see that from Gareth Southgate as well, because like you mentioned, they've been doing their thorough research and data analytic, analytics have, has played a key part in England's build-up through the 2018 World Cup, the 2019 Nations Tournament, and an even bigger part in this tournament for the Euro 2021, after it was meant to be in Euro 2020. But it's just they've given a lot of extra thought process into actually the data analytics, the stats, the um, the way players tend to shoot in the corners, the way they actually go for it. Like, apparently, um, it was just about how well the defence has been doing well. is is not down yeah. to data analytics, but... They've, I think they've I said that... Yeah, that was literally it. They've literally studied their opponents that they had in the group stages for a lot longer. So the likes of Ming, Stones, Walker, Trippier, they were a lot more comfortable against uh, Croatia than they were back in 2018 because they had a lot more research and the players are buying into it. The staff are buying into it, which, which is brilliant. And that's me kind of geeking out over and done with in, in terms of the football. I do see a, a change in system again. I don't think we should go for the free for free. I think going back to 4 3 3 like we did against the Czech Republic, against these two fullbacks and, and the and the backs that they have, I think we can get at them. I know everyone's been saying, oh, start Greenish, I'll start Foden, all this, that, and the other. But it depends on what three we start. But we do need two pacey wingers, in my opinion, and one creative in the middle. That's how I would do it against this Ukraine side, because we can get at them. Harry Kane can drop de- uh, deep a bit more and have the two flying wingers going past them. If it's Sancho and Rashford, or if it's Sterling and Rashford, whoever it is, that's how I see us kind of defeat in this Iceland side but like we've all seen this tournament Gareth Southgate actually does know a lot about this England side and how to set up against certain teams and he's, he did that against Germany which is great um how would you kind of set up this team I know you want Grealish and Mings in there as well as always um but how would you kind of set up against this Ukraine side after their extra time win against Sweden no they look quite good I mean I mean we all know Zinchenko quite well and uh obviously they've got Yarmolenko too which you know we uh, we all know quite well too. Um, no, sorry, not. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. yeah, yeah from West Ham. Sorry, yeah. Um, for me, the setup. The thing is, I wouldn't even mind if we play five at the back again. But I feel like we should sort of go a bit more attacking than defensive. Mm-hmm. I think. I think. I think it's important to. I wouldn't say rotate, but we do need a bit of rotation because. The games are like, you know, this, if we go through, obviously, hopefully the semi-finals on Wednesday and the finals on Sunday. But you saw like Rice getting cramped towards the end of that game, um, which was, I think, Harry Kane looked like he picked something up as well. Mm-hmm. Trippier looked a bit injured too. Uh, so for me, I, I, I try get maybe Henderson in the team. Um, 
I'd it would be probably... it'd be those smart changes like Henderson in for Rice, uh, Reese James maybe in for Trippier, and probably like Sancho or Grealish from the start over yeah uh, one Saka. Of the yeah over Saka because you don't want to burn them out too early as well. But I get what you mean. That's a really good point as well. After the season, then, had... yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say even Kane for Rashford. I mean, it's it is worth looking at because you have to trust the squad. You know, th- these are effectively this is the the twenty six or twenty five wherever it's become now. Mm. I think six best players we have that are English. That that's what we're saying in essence. Exactly. Um. So you know, I think Southgate doesn't know what he's doing. It's just a case of what he what he goes with. I personally think, obviously, they say you should never change a winning formula, which is something that I do agree with, but. I just feel like with the games coming thick and fast, I know you can even say like, oh, why are you thinking about the next game? We need to get through this game. But I just feel like we could do it some fresh legs in that midfield. Yeah. And even just like you said, the whole the 26-man squad is the main squad for the tournament. And if you don't utilise some of these players, like you said, even um, keeping the back, the, the spine of it the same and just rotating around, like I've always been a big fan of that. So keeping the keeper, keeping the two centre-backs, uh, Two or three midfielders keep the same and the striker. Probably not what you just said in terms of Kane and, and uh, Rice, but even if you keep like one or two of them out of the team, like let's say uh, Rice for Henderson, that's not a downgrade in any shape or form. Henderson looks like he's back to close to full fitness as well in this tournament as well. Maybe even playing Bellingham there as a transitional midfielder against his midfield uh, in Ukraine as well. It'll be, it'll be good to see and good to see how it actually um, goes forward as well. But I'm looking forward to the game. I know everyone in this country is looking forward to this game, but it's just nice to kind of see England fans buoyant and jubilant um, all together at once. No one's kind of going, oh, my my team, like Bukayo Saka for Arsenal, he's done amazing. Oh, Man United. That might just be me, how I see it. But if people are still doing that, that's, that's, that's their prerogative. But literally, I've never seen it where England fans are so close to one another from different fan bases and everything. It's been, it's been amazing. Probably more than the World Cup semi-final, I would say. Dare I say it. But that's how I see it personally. Am I right or am I kind of wrong? Have I kind of missed that? No, no, I agree with you, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. score prediction. Um, uh, for me, England 1-0. 1-0 Raheem Sterling. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm standard. Standard, isn't it? I'm happy with Raheem Sterling goal. I'd like to see... Like, I think everyone would like to see us kind of crack on with the attacking talent that we have because we're all crying out for it. But we don't want to end up conceding or changing the system too much and then blaming Gareth Southgate for not sticking to his guns. But it's just the fact that we've seen what this team has done for their um, for their clubs, basically. The likes of Sancho, Foden, Grealish, they've all turned, yeah. turned up. Excuse me. Um, but it's just about if we can get this moulded in for the country. And even this is building towards the 2022 World Cup in Qatar as well. Most of these players will still be there a, a year or a year and a half older than they are now. So it could easily be the same looking uh, squad starting eleven and the coaching setup as well, which is crazy, which will be good as well. Right then, I think that's kind of all we've done for the quarterfinals. I'm happy to go with this um, as our little ending. But just before I end it, Salim, I just want to ask you, when are you next back at Friday Night Football and how have you found the GoPro Friday Night Football videos? Have you been watching them? You've been enjoying them? Um, have you been learning from them as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the one that had me, and I watched all of, like that fully. I watched it. I watched it on the big screen. Actually, it was better. 
Uh, yeah, it helped, to be honest. I feel like, personally, in terms of my levels, football-wise, I've sort of dropped. Uh, my fitness need, does need to improve, and um, that's something I'm going to work on with pre-season, yep. obviously, now. And um, hopefully by September, you know, October, I should be in you know, sort of good shape again, like I was last season. But I need to sort of keep my fitness up going forward. I can't, you know, fall out of it. You know, especially with COVID, it's been hard, you know, with when you're stopping and starting and then just eating. Uh, I've enjoyed the GoPro vids. Um, the next FNF, oof, I think not going to be this Friday. It's not going to be next Friday, but potentially the Friday after that. Yeah, it could be. It could be me there. But at the moment, I'm just sort of busy with like um, sort of mates' weddings and stuff as well coming up. So wedding season, as you mentioned previously. Too. Yeah that's the one wedding season especially here in yorkshire it's like you can have two on the same day it's the sort of levels we have but i've had that once i had i had two weddings on the same day but i was at england versus indian the cricket for the whole day so to turn up to one in telford and then turn up to one in birmingham or the other way around i was like nah i just i should just refuse the weddings but uh or just i I was never going to refuse the cricket it's a good game but i know i know what you mean sadly uh but no it's been it's been good to see you as always for one last thing, I, I didn't need, I, I wasn't kind of thinking about this, but you and I, we're going to Hall of Fame Mania in the summer as well. We're on the same team. It's officially yep. confirmed and it's all good to go. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to um, being on the same team with you for the first time in, in ages, I would say. We've got Sal Grealish and we've got David Dehams for Hall of Fame Mania, um, an event Vish and Arif have had for the last four or five years, I would imagine. Uh, the last year got, yeah, got postponed. Yeah postpone that's it for covid so uh, just for all of you who are listening who don't know what the hell we're talking about hall of fame mania is a summer event that uh our co-hosts arif and vish have set up and they've been playing every year in the summer for the last four or five years uh last year got postponed due to covid so we're playing it this year and it's basically where wwe meets the world cup finals so it gives everyone the most immense pressure we can think of so team vish the iron warriors is basically vish and a couple of guys from uh, Friday Night Football, some of his friends and fan members as well, which is great. Um, Arif has gone for kind of the team FNCA. So he's gone for Safian, he's gone for Raheel, he's gone for Salim, and he's gone for me as well. So five of the six of us are on one team, and Vish is on another team by himself. So it's going to be fun. Uh, I believe Arif's going to bring the camera works out. It's going to get um, some um, some people to be like reporters and stuff on the touchline. There's going to be rolling subs. There's going to be video footage of that. And we're kind of all training as one together to try and be the best footballer we can be for August 1st as well. So, yeah, I know you're kind of more focused around September, October time for your fitness as well. But for me personally as well, it's, it's a good kind of goal to get to in terms of fitness-wise and football-wise and learning a bit more about how I can push myself to be a better athlete as well. So, uh, have you been yeah. focused on that or is it more just... Sorry, carry on. I was going to say, like you said, you're, you've had quite a good fitness transformation over the past month yourself um yeah I'm, I'm sort of looking to i think my aim at the moment is to probably drop a few kgs off about six to seven and um look to sort of get sort of my muscle muscle mass back up and and then you know just i need to do quite a lot of football work actually my um my finishing which is normally quite good has been a bit off lately i don't know what it, i have no idea what it is but it's a bit concerning because if it happens in one game it's like oh, all right it's, it's okay but i think it's like three games now it's been kind of bad so yeah, I have no, no idea what it is, but 
I, I just need to I just need to put some hours in because I think last season what I did was with it being locked down and a lot of stuff being closed, I sort of spent May, June, July, like, you know, in a in a field near near Dewsbury with one of my mates. Um obviously subject to COVID, we um we just did sort of like football training drills and stuff like that, which was really helpful, you know, yeah. fitness wise and sort of technique wise. So I probably just need to get into it and get back to that. Yeah, that's kind of like with me as well. Like you, you alluded to that I've I've lost a bit of weight since Eden, since I've been picked for Hall of Fame. Uh, I told Arif I'm not going to let him down. I know for a fact that I'm going to be one of the hardest working players on the pitch, as I always am. And I'll be getting into the faces a bit more. And I'm really happy to kind of let another side of me out. I don't have to worry about um, being just another member of the team. I can come in for a couple of minutes because I've rolled in subs and break the team down and kind of enjoy the fact that I'll be playing with my friends in a summer tournament kind of thing and get to just have fun, really, which will be a nice little break in the summer. And August 1st is not too long away. We're almost, yeah, I'm one month away. Month, basically. And the thing is, it'll be, it'll be there before you know it because mm. you know, just the way that life is, I mean, that's, that's how it's going to feel. That's exactly it. And from I do have to shout out Vish because Vish has been very good at a couple of these Friday night footballs and Arif has kind of like played it down. But I've seen Vish working on different parts of his game that I haven't seen before. So Vish, if you're listening, I'm not sure if he actually is listening to us, but Vish, if you're listening, you've actually been very good. And I'm genuinely praising you for how you've improved over the last couple of months as well. Your um, man-to-man defending, your interceptions, your finishing has been a lot better as well, and your fitness in general has been fantastic as well. So you're actually leading from the front there as well. Arif, I've seen a bit of a difference in you as well, which is great. Um, he's kind of holding the ball up a lot longer, getting people into play, and he's pressing a bit more as well, which is what I'm enjoying from these GoPro videos, from actually seeing the difference from like week one when we started to week four or five, and it's been great. Safian, I haven't seen you in ages, so I don't know what's happening. Rahil is always going to, like I said, Rahil's just like my captain. So if he tells me to run for a brick wall, I will, even though he's not the official captain at Hall of Bay Mania, but um, it is what it is. So Actually, I'm uh, just going to say, mentioning Rahil, just uh, sort of get well soon message. You know, I've not heard from you much lately. We know you're in hospital, but, you know, mm. we, they all help you just get well ASAP. Yes, Rahil, we want you to fight as you always fight on the pitch and how you fight in life. And we miss you and we can't wait to see you again soon, hopefully in person, uh, even if it's at a Friday night football and you're just coming back. But obviously we miss you, get well soon and take care. I think that's a really nice closing message there, Salim. But thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for following us during our um, check out videos on YouTube. They've been very good and people have enjoyed them. So thank you very much for that. Thank you for watching our watch alongs. We've hit record numbers uh 400 i think we hit for the belgian portugal game 300 no 250 for the england germany game if you do want any more just let us know follow us on our instagram friday night counterattack twitter is like the fnc podcast but we're mostly on instagram anyway uh subscribe on your normal podcast um platforms as well as we always do we love to hear from you get in touch with us over the euros um shout out to all the podcasts that we've been doing our little predictions with your very nice people. We hope to meet you soon and get you on the show a bit more as well. It'd be great. And Salem, I hope to see you soon in person. As always, thank you very much. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Take care, everyone. Goodbye.